great to be with you. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin. This is the Jewish Growth Podcast. And as a recording, we're just moments away from the beginning of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a Chag that amazes me personally. It's a time of year when we see the power of our people to transmit mitzvot from one generation to the next. It's a minor festival that speaks to the enduring spirit of the Jewish people. The mitzvot endure because they are a path of truth. As our rabbis teach us, Kushtakai, Shikr Lokai, truth endures, falsehood does not endure. And there are many examples of this contrast between truth and falsehood. In recent days, the world has witnessed the astounding collapse of the cryptocurrency company FTX. Founder Sam Bankman Fried was arrested this week in the Bahamas, and it appears that Bankman Fried ran the multi billion dollar business with a tiny group of unqualified people. Through gross mismanagement and an alleged fraud scheme, they lost billions of investor funds. Now, apparently, Bankman-Fried wired funds from FTX to a different company he founded called Alameda. What happened to investor dollars after he wired them out of the company? I can only speculate, as I wasn't running Alameda, he said, of this subsidiary company. I can only guess how they were actually spent. So Bankman-Fried built a company that was essentially a house of cards, and the cards naturally fell. An interesting sidebar of the story is that Bankman-Fried's parents have been involved in helping their son with his Bahamas-based company. And when I see the son and the parents together in this scene, I wonder, how could things have been different? Could he have been raised with an ethic that would have guided him against such wrongdoing? As a Jew, I'm grateful to have the example of the Avos, the Imahos, Patriarchs, and Matriarchs who teach us the path of integrity. Our rabbis teach us that Yaakov's defining characteristic was truth, an attribute that is most apparent in his livelihood. In Law 11, Yaakov suffered through the chilly ice of night and the scorching sun of daytime to make sure that he did not lose a single sheep of his employer. And in the event that an animal was lost, Yaakov personally bore the loss. Our father eventually prospered through his flocks. But if there's one thing that we see about Yaakov's business dealings, it's this. Truth wasn't just a quality of Yaakov. Truth was the underlying purpose of everything that he did. Often people are raised with an ethic of amassing fame or fortune. That's what we're raised with in our times and in others. And to be sure, it's good to make money. But it's never our purpose or our dream. Our purpose is to walk in the path of truth and bring God's light into the world. When it comes to Bankman-Fried, I don't know a lot about his background, but perhaps had he been raised in the ethics of our fathers, in the belief that integrity is the real purpose of business, he would have been protected from such deceit that he committed. We benefit our younger generations by teaching them the legacy of the Avos. In last week's partial, we learned about the legacy of Asav. When his life began, Asav would just one guy, but who were Esau's descendants? What did he leave in the world? And the detailing of Esau's progeny in the end of Vayishlach teaches us about the dozens of military chieftains that descended from Esau. He built the military empire, which culminated in the development of Edom, or Roman society. Rashi notes that Magdiel, listed at the end of Vayishlach, actually came, and it came from Esau, is actually Rome. And so Esau really veered from the path of his grandfather, Abraham, 
and he built a military society. The legacy of Yaakov, on the other hand, is the Jewish people who spread the knowledge of God. But before there was a Jewish people, there were 12 tribes, and the 12 tribes were led by Yosef and Yehuda. Now, on the one hand, these were different men with different legacies themselves. Yosef became the ruler of a foreign superpower, uh, Mitzrayim, Egypt, living in the palace of Paro. And Yehuda remained more focused on the Jewish people from within. Yosef's a good-looking guy who attracted attention wherever he goes. Yehuda's held in esteem by the brothers, but he doesn't enjoy the same meteoric, meteoric rise as his brother. And Yosef overcomes temptation and refuses to commit adultery. Yehud, on the other hand, has difficulty maintaining that moral standard. So for all their differences, what is the commonality between these two sons of Yaakov, if any? Yosef's ability to withstand trial really is mind-boggling. He enters servitude as a young Hebrew servant, enter the wife of Potiphar, who tries to seduce him. Who could bear such a trial in his shoes? How did Yosef risk everything by refusing? And when the wife of Potiphar seeks his company, Yosef responds, There's no one greater in this house than myself. Your husband has not withheld anything from me except for you, as you are his wife. And then here is one of those powerful sentences in the entire Chumash. Yosef says, How can I do this great evil and I will have sinned unto God? This is integrity. Yosef will not break the trust of his master, even in the face of great temptation. Where did this level of integrity come from? The answer is addressed in a profound comment from Rashi. Yosef, in fact, may have contemplated sin, Rashi suggests. The Torah suggests that on that day, he went to the house of his master, Lasos Malachto, to do his work. And according to one opinion in the Midrash, this is an allusion to do his work, so to speak, to sin with Potiphar's wife. But if he was contemplating sin, how did he reach the declaration that he could not sin unto God? Rashi adds, Rather, the image of his father's face appeared to him before Yosef. What stopped Yosef from sin? What called him to the path of integrity was the memory, the image of his father etched in his mind. The ethic of Yosef was one of truth and integrity. He could not break the trust of, his, of the one who trusted him, and the vision that inspired him in times of temptation was the vision of his father's face. His ability to stand in sin is is counted amongst the miracles of Jewish history, even before Hanukkah. Yosef withstood temptation, and Yehuda's story is different. Yehuda wrongfully withheld Tamar, his daughter-in-law, from marriage after two sons of Yehuda's died while married to her. And then one day while going to shear the sheep, Yehuda consorts with a harlot who, by the way, happens to be Tamar. Tamar gets pregnant through the incident, and when she is later Accused of conceiving out of wedlock, she presents the plain fact to Yehuda, it is by your doing that I'm in this current predicament. Now, given the, set, the, the fact that Tamar is powerless, Yehuda could have ignored her, and instead he declared, Sadka, me many. She is correct, this matter came about through me. And in this action, Yehuda is moda. He humbly acknowledges what has happened. 
The number one trait that the Torah demands of leaders is humility. As we learn, a king is commanded to read from the Torah all the days of his life so that he will be humble before God. And Yehuda demonstrated his own preparedness for leadership. Although it was an embarrassment to admit what happened, Yehuda owns the fact that he is responsible. He had the integrity to be truthful and save Tamar. And this was his moment of creating light. So both of these lives unfolded in very different ways. Yosef was more pristine, Yehuda less so. But both men created a legacy of truth. And truth begins in the day-to-day levels of life. We create ourselves as people of truth, or falsehood, God forbid, in moment-to-moment decisions that we make. A couple years ago, I was flying to my daughter's wedding with a family, and we had a moment that tested me. We showed up to the airport and pulled up the reservation, and the name of one of the kids on the tickets was Meira, but Shia didn't appear on the tickets. The only problem was that Meira was already on the East Coast, uh, there for camp, and there was Shia standing right next to us. It appeared that we had the wrong name on the ticket going to our daughter's wedding. And in a moment of panic, we teared the idea, toyed the idea of, well, let's lie about my son's name and just get him on the plane. No one will know. But then I thought, my goodness, how could I lie? What a desecration that would be. I knew there was no way that I was going to lie. And I was happy to have that opportunity to make that decision. Now, thankfully, we soon learned the real truth that while we had accidentally booked Meira for a ticket that she didn't need, there was a separate ticket on a separate reservation with Shia's name, and we all made it onto the plane. But I have no doubt that it would have been worth missing the plane for the sake of truth. This Hanukkah, Jews from every walk of life all across the globe will light the Hanukkah menorah. Hanukkah is about the truth of the Jewish people. Hanukkah is about how man after man, woman after woman, insisted on living according to the values of the Jewish people in the face of a dominant Greek culture. From Maccabees learning Torah in hiding to Jewish women refusing to succumb to degrading Greek decrees like the example of Yehudit, the Hashmonaim of that generation lived the truth of Judaism under excruciating circumstances. The insistence of waiting for kosher oil, for example, for the menorah, with the seal of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, was just part of that commitment. And likewise, every person today who upholds the mitzvot is walking in that path of the Hashmonaim, and they, in turn, took their cues from the Avos and the Imahos, the patriarchs and matriarchs, and today, As a Jewish people, we're still living in that legacy. So it's no exaggeration to say that when we light the oil on the night of Hanukkah and gaze upon its flame, we are seeing the very same light of Yaakov and of the patriarchs and the matriarchs that has shined within our Jewish conscience ever since the days of Yosef and Yehuda. Let me wish all of you a wonderful Hanukkah. May the light of the menorah shine into your life during these days of Kislev and far beyond. Thanks for being with me. I'm Ken Brodkin, and this is the Jewish Girl Podcast.